You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects through the perspective of Gen X and Gen Z. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And, and this, this is ZZ Talk. Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we are talking about The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And this is a prequel to the other Hunger Games movies, which we have seen over the years. Uh, so, I mean, let's just say it. We're all Hunger Games film fans here. Uh, most of us have read the books. Luke, did you read the books? I did. Okay. Yes. Oh, Luke, you're back. I'm here. Yes, Luke is back with us. Special guest. Yeah, and uh, y'all just saw this movie in theaters. Is that correct? We did yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. We're recording this the day after Thanksgiving, so it means we saw it on Thanksgiving Day, 2023. Yeah. Speaking of being in theaters, uh, Pepper is obviously a Hunger Games fan as well, um, but speaking of theaters, this movie just came out. In fact, it came out on November 17th of uh, this year, and it was made on a budget of $100 million and has so far returned $162 million. So... Uh, with that in mind, Pepper is the peanut gallery back here, and I think she's just confirming our statements. Um, this movie was directed by Francis Lawrence. He did Catching Fire uh, all the way through up to this film in terms of releases, so he's very familiar with the franchise and uh, directing it as well. It does have an all-star and upcoming cast uh, with Tom Blythe, Rachel Zegler, Peter Dinklage, Jason Schwartzman, Hunter Schaefer, whom you may know from Euphoria, mm -hmm. Uh, and Josh Andres Rivera, who also starred uh, next to Rachel Zegler in West Side Story. I think that was a Steven Spielberg movie that, that was. went out in 2021. Sure. All right, cool. And, of course, Viola Davis, whom you may recognize as both a hero and a villain in much of the decade's, uh, well, uh, more successful uh, films. She who is in just about every other film. That is true. That is true. You see her pretty often. Um, all right. So that's a little bit of the background of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. But just as one final piece of information before we get to the synopsis, it is a prequel. And it is, in fact, about President Snow, who is the main antagonist of the general Hunger Games uh, books uh, series. And it's about, what, 60 years before? That's 64 years before the events of the first film. Right. So uh, this one takes place around the 10th Hunger Games, but we're going to set the uh, setting a little bit better now that we're at the synopsis. So go ahead and take it away. Years before he becomes the tyrannical president of Panem, 18-year-old Coralinus Snow remains the last hope for its fading lineage. With the 10th annual Hunger Games approaching, the young Snow becomes alarmed when he's assigned a mentor, Lucy Graybeard, from District 12. Uniting their instincts for showmanship and political savvy, they race against time to ultimately reveal who's a songbird and who's a snake. All right. Fantastic. So thank you very much for that write-up, as usual. It's my pleasure. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to get not only your perspective here, but also Luke's perspective, too, because um, I know that usually uh, with these types of movies, it's just you and me, but um, Luke sees quite a few films himself, and uh, it will be cool just to... Uh, get an idea of what he thought i dare say that luke is the cinephile of the three of us or no let me just say this i see more you. in the theater yeah i think they watch more at home but if anything comes out of the theater there's an 80 percent chance that i've seen it as much as i love films i think my sons like them more 
Well, Lucas, and I know their mother does. Yeah, Lucas definitely on top of it. He's got that regal, uh, the unlimited pass, the unlimited pass. Yeah. Yes. So uh, you've definitely seen. You're, you're definitely caught up with all the all the stuff that's probably worth seeing this year mm. and what's not worth seeing. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, uh, going into this movie, Luke, you have read all the way up to Mockingjay. Yes. So okay. I was going to say. I have a fun idea here. All right. I think we should all say which of the books we've read and in which order we would rank them. That way the audience may know what we're sort of more partial to in terms of the actual series itself. All right. Good thought. Uh, go ahead and go first. So Luke, I have not read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, but I read the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Catching Fire, the second, was my favorite, mm-hmm. followed by the first original Hunger Games and then Mockingjay being my last place in the series. And I'm also interested, how would you rank the movies uh, besides Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? So far? Yeah, well, I would keep the same order for the movies. Mm-hmm. I think Catching Fire being my favorite, the first Hunger Games being my second favorite, rounded mm-hmm. out by Mockingjay. And honestly, I can't differentiate the first and second part of those two movies right so i'll just put the collection at three all right sounds like that uh, sounds good what about you i think that first of all i've read the original trilogy and loved loved these books i have not read uh, the ballad of songbirds and snakes in terms of the films for me i would rank the books similar to the way i would rank the films but differently than luke for me the first book was my favorite followed by no 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 that's not true i'm sorry Mockingjay was my favorite and I know that's very surprising and probably not terribly popular because it is a much more political film uh, book and story and less action oriented I think Mm. but for me I just I think I went into that book thinking I'm not going to like this as well and once again because of my expectations I was quite surprised so I liked Mockingjay then the original uh, Hunger Games book then Catching Fire not that I didn't like Catching Fire I just felt like for me Catching Fire was a little bit of a rehash of the first one. Mm. It's effectively done. And what I think I appreciate most about Suzanne Collins' ability to write that book is that I'm in the minority when I say that. Very seldom do you hear people say, oh, well, Catching Fire was just a rehash of of, um, the original Hunger Games book. So that said, in terms of the films, I much prefer one, then two, Catching Fire, and then like Luke, I can't distinguish between Mockingjay Part 1 and Mockingjay Part 2, but I would rate the original Hunger Games film the best of the four films. All right. Up until now. So I was the only one not directed by Francis Lawrence, and uh, I think that was Gary Ross. I can't remember. I can't remember either. Anyway, um, yeah, so I have read all the Hunger Games books. I read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes when it came out around 2019 or so. And um, I remember going into it thinking it would be kind of a cash grab, but I really, really enjoyed that book. And I think it was one of my check it outs as well uh, in one of these past weeks. Now, with that said, um, I would rank the books probably, I think the first Hunger Games is the best. Uh, then Catching Fire is the second best. Then Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And then way below is Mockingjay. Um, so that is the book ranking. And then for the movies, I would say Catching Fire is my favorite movie, closely followed by the original Hunger Games film that came out in 2012. And then obviously way below those, uh, Mockingjay part one and two, like you said before, they're indistinguishable from one another. And I'm interested to see how this one stacks up in the film adaptation compared to uh, what we've already shared here. So what's interesting is the one thing we have in common here is that we all agree that the Mockingjay films were the least of the films 
minus songbirds and snakes. I think that is a pretty popular consensus yeah, so okay. far. Yeah. And interestingly enough, we all each have a different favorite book, mm-hmm. which True. which will be interesting yeah. seeing how, you know, while that may not affect our opinions on this movie necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, it sort of speaks to what we like about this series or not. Yeah, good, good point. point. Good point. All right, cool. So uh, with that in mind, let's get into what we thought of it. Luke, would you like to go first on this one? I will go first. All right. As the guest, I always go first, which I appreciate. You should. So yeah. I get to spit you're my opinions guest. at you before you get to share yours. But yeah. if you keep this up, you're going to become like a pseudo regular mm. and you won't be a guest. Don't worry about that. Okay. Yeah, and you get to be the page maker, <laughs> the thought leader. Yeah. Um. So I actually very much enjoyed the movie. I thought it was interesting how they decided to present it in three parts. Mm. Um. That being said, and we can sort of talk about this a little more how we preferred, you know, or rank the parts of the movie, how it split one, two, and three. But I thought as somebody again, who had not read the book, um, I think that this, first of all, sort of reignited my passion for the series. Mm-hmm. I would kind of like to go back and read those books again. Cause I didn't read them since I was like 11 or yeah. 12. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a story that actually is really valuable to have available mm-hmm. um, in the grand scheme of the series. I think, to me, Snow was never like, I was never too terribly, you know, like blown away by him as a villain sure. um, as or the overarching villain, I guess, of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. I was more just interested in the Hunger Games. And I think that's part of why Mockingjay didn't work for me necessarily sure. was because the tyrannical villain didn't really mean much to me in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding the context of where he comes from and how his story sort of unfolded and turned him into what he turned out to be um was really good but in terms of the actual movie on a technical standpoint i thought it was really good as well i thought um maybe a little bit too long quite honestly Uh, probably could have cut 20 minutes out of it Mm -hmm. but um i thought there was a lot of really good stuff here and i'll let everybody else share their opinions before we sort of unpack it a little more yeah and it's interesting that you say that forgot to include the runtime it's 157 minutes so definitely not a short movie but it's not quite martin scorsese uh length so um yeah i'm interested to hear what you thought of it Uh, i'd like you to go next all right since you saw it separate from us and uh about 10 days have passed or a week have passed since you saw it yeah uh i saw this with grace uh, i think the day that it opened and grace hadn't read uh the book either grace hadn't read the book but um yeah i thought this movie was fine um i would agree with luke they definitely tried with it. It's not like it was a cash grab. I personally thought that it was well-made in the sense that they really did care about the source material. And a lot of what I pictured in the book did translate pretty well to screen. And I'm glad there is another movie out there. However, I did think it was overly long. I thought so much of it was rushed. And because of the reasons of me reading the book, I think it made the movie adaptation a little bit worse. Um, In the book, there's an internal monologue with Snow. And there's a lot more buildup before the Hunger Games. And there's just so much ground to cover in the movie that eventually, even though the movie covers so much, it still feels overlong. And I just think the book just plays itself way better into the development of the characters because there's actually a lot in the movie that I found to be left a bit vague or not as earned or justified as it was in the novel itself. So the film was pretty good um i liked some of the actors um most of the performances were good and i do genuinely think they put care into this film so it's just kind of in the middle of the road for me i didn't love it i didn't hate it i just didn't think it was way too good and um 
yeah, that's where I'll leave it for now before we get into spoilers and I expand on that. But um, I did like the third act the best out of all of them. And I think that is debatable for some people. So you go ahead. Okay, I'm really glad that uh, you went because I think to your point, when you read a book and you know the story, mm-hmm. and uh, again, I you know, I, I'm going to be that guy and I'm going to say it. There is no movie that is as good as the book. Um, I don't know. The help was awfully good, but I'll just say, have you ever seen that movie? With Viola Davis. Right, exactly. Uh, but I, I would say that you know, the opportunity the book gives you is to create the story in your mind or see the story in your mind the way you your mind works, sure. right? So you read the book, I read the book, we see it differently, even though the story is the same. Mm-hmm. So when you watch a movie that is adapted from a book, you have to let it go, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, enjoy it for what it is. I have to say, I really liked this movie. I thought it was good. Um, I went into it, you know, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, speculation that, of course, there was some concern, I think, you know, the box office has been pretty sad for the latter quarter of the year so far. And with the writer strike and the actor strike, they couldn't really promote this. And I was kind of excited that there was another Hunger Games movie coming out because I just really like the property. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's really exciting and interesting and I have very fond memories of those movies and those are movies that I could easily watch again, especially one and two. Um, That said, I thought the, um, to your point too, Snow for me was not really a character that I was terribly, terribly into or cared a whole lot about. So I think because of that, I was a little concerned that this story wouldn't mean much to me because Mm -hmm. I didn't care about Snow. And this is the whole story of how Snow became the tyrant the tyrant that he is um but i thought the movie did a a good job it was obviously a very well-made movie Mm -hmm. they put a lot a lot of care into it i think you said that noah i've seen movies cost double this amount that look less realized how much did it cost 100 million that's it for reference reference, indiana jones which is the worst movie of the year cost 325 million dollars and we didn't see that and you and I no. talked about that on the episode. It cost so much, and we just didn't really see Wasn't where all that, that COVID came related, though. I don't know what that means, but um, I don't know. I mean, that I'm sure, yes, but at the same time, Harrison Ford probably commanded a $30, $40 million check, though. Oh, easily. Yeah, that movie was awful. Sorry. Yeah. So back to the. Back, back to an actually palatable <laughs> movie. Yeah. yeah. So that's my take on it. I really liked this movie. I mm-hmm. I went into it. I, I thought this is going to be a lot because it's a prequel and, you know, prequels are prequels kind of thing. Sure. I was just listening to a podcast. It's a film podcast. And they said that somebody declared that this is the single best movie prequel in history. Um, I don't know that I would say that, but I don't also know a whole lot of prequels. Right. So sure. I, honestly, I, I like this movie. I thought it was well worth my time well that's good to hear and i think going off of that topic as well like i said before before i went into the book i was thinking it'd be a cash grab but because i like the world so much i was going to read it and i did find the book completely justified in the story's canon i thought it fit really nicely in there and like you said and you said as well while snow was definitely a presence it was more so about the games and katniss and Mm -hmm. the rebels themselves I I just thought he fits so neatly in here and his story is actually very necessary. And there's so many good references that aren't just fan service and both the book and the movie that lead so naturally into what happens when the events of the Hunger Games trilogy unfolds. It really is a justified story and that is rare in my opinion. So at no point 
in the book, reading the book, did I think that it was something that could have just been trashed. I honestly, even after all those years, I thought it was a really great story. And I think the movie did get some of that right, but there's only so much that you can cover with that type of runtime. And I will say this, personally, I thought this could have been, this could have benefited from being split into two movies. However, who knows if the second one would have gotten made considering that this one is probably going to be a box office disappointment. So, well, okay. So Luke, you said which segment it's it, folks, it's broken into three segments. We've said, which part did you like the most? I can say objectively, the third part was my least favorite. Okay. I think a lot of people, I think the first part would be my favorite, albeit it was considerably shorter than both the second and third part. Mm. Um, I think for me, the most interesting piece of the entire movie was the actual commercialization of the Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really entertaining to see how it was sort of just arena fair to start with, right, for this first 10 years since its foundation. Um, So starting to see it sort of pieced together, I think, was really cool for me, um, which there was a combination of that in parts, the later part of part one and but the beginning so of part two. it was more sophisticated in one and in, in, the, in the original films. Exactly. So I get what Which you're is, saying. That was the most entertaining part for me is seeing like how did some of this stuff come to be as yeah. it was, you know, what we're used to. Um, so I think those parts of the movie were my favorite. And because of that, I would say part one was my favorite because I think there was more of that foundation being built in part one. But then before the actual games start in part two, that was... That was probably my favorite section of the movie. And Noah, you said part three was your favorite. Yeah, and I won't go too deep into it here because we're going to get into spoiler territory in just a moment. But I just, in the book, it's it's. I feel like I'm kind of talking behind a wall to y'all because it's just like, you know, you've seen the movie and, you know, I've read the book and I just remember there's one of the best parts about the book is how much it builds up a certain dynamic and how well it does that leading into the games. And with the segments of the movie, which I thought it was good that they chopped it up into different segments, you can't really feel the full characterization and, you know, full, I guess, impact leading up into the games. And I'll discuss that more in spoilers, but it's because of that, I can completely understand why you think maybe the first part is, you know, one of the best parts. Um, it's just interesting to me because the other movies well for the most part are generally generally about the whole hunger games Mm -hmm. and and this it's just the middle act right so um yeah we'll go and we'll go into we'll go into some stuff here some spoilers and i'll go ahead and expand upon my thoughts a little bit at how from the book it translated to the movie and why i had an issue with that Mm -hmm. But um, before we do, let me just say that my favorite of the three parts was part one as well. Okay. Mentor, I think is what the, the yeah. was titled. Yeah. Um, and then it was like the prize and then the peacekeeper. The peacekeeper. I think, yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it was because uh, I liked the buildup of the story. I liked them being dumped in the zoo. I thought that was really fascinating mm-hmm. and, and, and just sort of a fresh take yeah. kind of thing. How there wasn't uh, any fanfare. Yeah. The actual and, games. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. And then how there was um, this burgeoning relationship between the two of them that frankly was not a love story at the beginning, right. which is fine. Um, I appreciated that. Um, the second act I had seen, it was called The Hunger Games and The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it was entertaining, that's for sure. Entertaining, but, it, but needs to be R-rated. I will put that in there. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, totally bloodless, I'd say. And, and then after Thanksgiving, I mean, you the know. The movie? Correct. Yeah, yeah, we know what that looks like. Right. <laughs> and then the third, I thought, um, for me, it was a little bit of a... I'm not going to call it a detour. I'm not going to call it a U-turn. But I was felt it a 180? Like it was a... Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, it I, slows down. It kind of comes to a halt. It slows down, and you see a different side of snow that... I did not see it all in one and two, parts one and two. And so it felt like 
uh, oh, okay, this is maybe a separate movie. And maybe to your point about it should have, it could have been mm -hmm. two separate movies. You're exactly right. But I didn't want it to be two separate movies, even though it was as long as it was. And I agree, Luke, completely. It could have been cut by 20 minutes. Um, I don't want to see two movies of this. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then I think one final thing before getting into spoilers is um, there are, there are some really talented actors on display here and they do uh, play interesting versions of uh, uh, of those characters. And there's quite a few Easter eggs. If you're familiar with some of the uh, phraseology or some of the things that happen in the original Hunger Games series that tie very nicely into here. And so I think it's fan service without going over the top here. Agreed. Yeah, it it does so. go, it does naturally weave into it. I think you're right on there. I do want to just say, I thought the leads were very, very strong. I thought the, what, who's the male lead? Um, yeah i thought he was excellent actually um rachel ziegler is a polarizing figure we can talk about that or we don't have to talk about that she's very talented but there's a lot of singing in this too and i could have gone without that sure all right cool too much songbird um all right i would definitely recommend this to any hunger games fan um i would definitely recommend this to anybody who hasn't read the book because obviously uh you two liked it and it has been getting some pretty positive reviews for the most part it's an entertaining movie for sure um but i had my issues with it but there's a lot there's a lot to appreciate regardless mm. agreed all right cool all right and with that in mind would you take us into spoiler territory i will so you folks zz talkers know the deal um this is the part at which we are going to talk about plot lines and story and that sort of thing and um, if you have not seen the film yet, we, I think by and large, we were going to recommend it. Um, but we want you to stop here, but more importantly, we want you to come back and hear a little bit more about what we thought of plot points, uh, and you know, the film overall. So this is spoiler territory. This is your warning. You've been warned. All right. Sounds good. Um, all right. So I'll just go ahead and start just with the first act. I thought one of the most fascinating parts about it was just seeing how the Hunger Games itself wasn't an institution. And it's also a good refresher for the kind of vague backstory of how Panem started with the uprising and everything. It does a good job of that. Um, with that in mind, uh, there's a lot of things that are kind of glossed over that are not so much uh, in the book, obviously. So Snow in the book has an internal monologue, and you can tell immediately that he's a maybe not sociopath, but he's somebody who is so hungry for power and success, Control. despite having that young level of fighting the oppression of poverty and, uh, you know, trying to fit in. So it does a really good job of showing you Snow does have humanity. Was his father, though, a, pol a politician? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it does show sort of the Snow house fall from grace, mm -hmm. but it doesn't uh, this is the fall of the house of snow <laughs> it does an equally good job of showing you yes snow has a human side to him but yes he's very much a younger version of the guy that you do see and so it fleshes him out a little bit more rather than just saying oh he was young and innocent at one point and then he becomes bad it's not so black and white and that's really done well with his internal monologue in the book you do not get that here in the movie and personally I think they probably could have added that here and there to flesh it out a little bit more. Um, as well, there is a buildup between um, Lucy Gray and Coriolanus that is briefly shown and can only be so long in the first act, but a lot of the book, I think nearly half of the book, 
is about that buildup and the little things he does for her mm-hmm. and how they really come together and relate to each other. And so it's interesting because you've got this guy who is poor, but is posing as a rich man uh, with somebody who he is supposed to mentor, who is going to be sent out to death, who is part of District 12. And it's just so fascinating because they have so much in common, but there's so much that they can't really reveal to each other. Mm -hmm. They They do share a lot with each other, but there's still an air of mystery behind them. However, Lucy Gray is a far more fleshed out character while still a strong personality in the book, but I found her to be much more of a mystery here. And I Mm -hmm. don't feel like you really get to know who she is Mm -hmm. in this book. And I don't personally feel as if snow and her relationship was earned Mm -hmm. as much because of how quickly they had to put it in the film adaptation before the actual game started. And I think that's just a critical part of the book that really fleshes out snow as a young man. Um, And, you know why he becomes who he is Mm -hmm. and also lucy gray is a fascinating character so it's 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 hard it's hard if you just see the movie but i think that the most pivotal part is them getting together their mentor mentee relationship the will they won't they until into a slight romance do they trust each other do they maybe not trust each other it's that part that sets up everything so importantly for snow's eventual fall from grace like morality wise and what happens with them in the third part so that's where it kind of frustrated me because i think people can't truly grasp how good of a story it is without that internal monologue and the extra time set up Mm -hmm. between them two um so that's my thoughts on the first act but characters introduced were very good um really like jason schwartzman um oh me too and um yeah, he he did a great job. I, I would like Tom Blythe and Rachel Zegler is pretty good here. I just she is a theater like personality. And I just felt like there was a little bit more music in this than I was expecting. And it felt very theater. It's funny you say that because, you know, I just said that here a little bit a minute ago that, that there's a lot of singing here. And Luke and I have not talked about that. You and I have not talked about this at all because we didn't see it together. And that's the deal with the podcast. But I just thought, OK, we know you're a singer right we, we we've seen you in other movies where you sing hmm. i got it stop singing yeah but I gotcha. she's a songbird right so that's part of it which is one of the reasons she got the role that in fact that she's wildly talented but yeah rachel zegler's um portrayal of lucy gray's character itself though is very good and in line with what it was in the book and i think that she did a strong job of portraying somebody who was not just a doormat somebody mm-hmm. who was very much her own and um a very unique personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke, what about your thoughts on the first act? Anything that you want to go over there? Or the second or the third at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I agree with most of what you said about the first act. I did like, I actually did like how the opening of the movie was during the actual war itself. Um, just, you know, I mean, it was only like two or three minutes long, but I think they did a good job of sort of showing the desperation that came along with the war, right? Um, with the man who was like hacking up the dead body so that you could eat. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a good way to sort of set the stage to show the desperation of the war and how, you know, you almost could rationalize to an extent why the capital thinks that, or at least for the people who had seen that, the capital thinks that, you know, they are going out of their way to sort of keep things in order, right? And without an order, everything's going back to that, um, which, you know, maybe that's what they tell themselves or whatever. But um, I thought that was cool. Um 
I agree with the performances. I thought they were all really good, specifically um, Tom, say his name again? Blythe. Blythe. Yeah. Tom Blythe, I thought he was really good, with the exception of probably the last like five to ten minutes. He sort of seemed like all of a sudden he was definitely more of like a ham-fisted villain. Like, um, like, and those last like ten minutes, yeah, other films. it felt it felt very much like all of a sudden he was, you know, know on his dark path. I know. What um, but again, I think that's probably more attributed to the script than mm-hmm. his actual performance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. I thought all the performances were good. I thought, at least for somebody who hasn't read the book, again, they did a really good job of sort of laying out what I imagine is most of the important information. And I actually think a lot of enjoyment uh-huh. could be gleaned from somebody who had no previous experience with the the series. I agree. Um, just because I think they do a really good job of setting up the world and setting up um, what the games used to look like and sort of what the process was of how they became more and more, you know, the uh, phenomena that they were in, in the actual trilogy. So, well, it's so slick and there's so much production in the games by the time we yeah. actually get to the original series. And it's interesting that all the kids here are dirty. They're not done up. They're right. not like going there. There's, there's no parade. Yeah, yeah exactly. there's no parade. There's no marketing. I also liked how the drones were more of a hazard than they were actually anything else that when it came to like giving clever. the gifts. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they almost got, so they got sent in at as weapons at one point right you know as a favor to Mm -hmm. uh, between the classmates who are trying to protect their tributes i thought stuff like that was really cool Mm -hmm. i think they did a lot of really clever stuff with a really rudimentary arena Mm -hmm. i thought i could not believe that they were still going to go on with the hunger games after the arena had been um, well i think the point the thing i think the point was to say you have not stopped us we're not only going to continue this we are going to punish you even further with this display right here right and um yeah one more last thing i want to say about the first part as well is when one of the mentors gets killed Uh uh, with the bottle you know the bloodless stab yes Uh um that's way more of a factor and that just kind of happens and that's done with yeah and like in the movie and i feel like you don't really get to feel the impact and the weight of that as things go on um and let's talk about uh sejanus plinth um moving forward he's one of the main characters in the movie he's kind of you eventually come to know that i guess he's like a friend of um of uh snow here i think they did a really poor job Uh, completely fleshing him out because he's a much more sympathetic character he became so needy just throughout the entire movie and his parents are also more a much more much more prominent in the book especially his mother and uh, i won't go too far into that but i wasn't sure what was going on with that character he kind of comes off as a guy with the right intentions but a really stupid head about him mm-hmm. in the movie and you by the I, third I time he's, he's not he's not fleshed out very no well. by the third time snow has to go rescue him just because he's doing something like he's just diddling around and getting himself into like a stupid situation that you know anybody with a brain would have thought oh that's not a good idea to go do that yeah um he does remind me of a gen z activist though you said it. I'm Gen X. Okay, <laughs> I want to talk about the snakes. Uh, okay, gotcha. So we'll just move on to the Hunger Games part, the part where the snakes come in. The prize. Okay. That's the section, right? What you got? I think so. I, I just thought that was really clever. I, You know, when yeah. I heard the title, the, the Ballad of the Songbird, uh, Ballad of Songbird and, Songbirds and Snakes, I thought, I did not know if there were actually going to be literal snakes. I, I get the Songbird and part. And Songbirds. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Jabber Jays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I... I really thought that was very clever, extremely well done. Um, that whole scene where um, Snow's partner took credit for writing the plan, and then they go in and 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 I don't know her character, uh, Viola Davis's character's name. She 
she has the snakes the she's head. created the snakes yeah. yeah creator of the hunger games yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh the game or the maker. game maker game, game maker. maker yeah head game maker yeah. um and and she tests her because he's taking credit but she's got him she's got her figured out and uh so she has to put her hand in the in the snakes and it's vague if she dies or not right because like, yeah right because if they recognize the scent then they won't attack her so she realizes that she has really messed up. She puts her hand in there. And then and I love the fact that he's like, is she going to die? And they're like, that's what, I don't know. That's what's new about this. And yeah. I thought, okay, good. Yeah. And I don't think we ever see her again. Nope. So we assume she's dead. Exactly. I and thought that was extremely well done. And then of course that comes back during you know, I like that the that latter part of the film. Just a good scene to introduce that. It was also, it also tied into something because they could have easily just cut out that scene uh-huh. and then just had a brief throw explanation oh, it recognizes your scent. And then he just throws that like object in there. Right. right. I thought that was a really clever setup going into that. So that was that was a good part of um, the, the setup yeah. moving into what ultimately saved um, uh, Lucy Gray's character. And that's what makes this a, a well-done film. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I thought it was just overall pretty strong. Um, you know, again, I've seen the Hunger Games films, the Catching Fire and the original Hunger Games. So did I need another... Hunger Games, um, I, it's fine. Mm. The answer to that question is no. Mm. But let's face it, that's all the action. That's all the. That's a lot of the action. That's a yeah. lot of the excitement. It's much of the draw, the right? Yeah. Exactly. And I, so you can't get away with a Hunger Games film without having some of the Hunger Games. Except right. unless their name is Mocking Mocking Day, Day, yeah, which we all agreed are our least favorite films. So what yeah. do I know? And I do want to talk at a high level just about what you thought of the games this time, like mm-hmm. the good, the bad, and then finally that third act. Yes, yeah. we're going to need to do, we're going to need to discuss whether you felt. That was like awkward at the end. And I think we all have the same scene in mind. So I'm interested to hear y'all's thoughts on that. But Luke, I want to know what you thought of the games this time, what you appreciated about it, and maybe what you thought could have been better or didn't work. Yeah. In terms of the games, I thought, again, I think it was cool to see a more rudimentary version of the games. There's Mm -hmm. no showmanship or much fanfare leading up to it. The arena, obviously, at that point was an actual arena as opposed to, you know, just like this wildly curated by the capital you know encapsulated by you know you know shields and things like like, exactly in las vegas right exactly (laughs) so i thought it was kind of cool to see you know sort of like where where it came from um i think in terms of the actual action itself what do you expect it's a pg-13 movie where miners are killing each other right so it's gonna be a lot of shaky cam sure no close angles um you know there's much cooler things can be done in terms of the actual action and the carnage um but it was serviceable i think feel less than i didn't it did not feel less than it felt i actually preferred the way the action was shot to that of the first hunger games movie um just because that was a real masterclass and shaky cam Uh, first Uh, half of the movie i remember being like yeah business Um, but that being said yeah i actually thought for an arena that had almost nothing going on and just weapons and things like that. I thought that they did a pretty good job of keeping things moving around there. It was probably a little longer than it needed to be in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, But I did really like how snow and what's his face old buddy. Sejanus. Sejanus. Yeah. um, Ended up in there to Sejanus own stupid decision. And that's your first glimpse of snows, like the aggression and power. You mean when they cut the tape? Yes, I liked the live feed and, I, he, kills, I, and yeah. he kills the truth. So I, I liked how they had them so go in there, and I liked how they didn't give them any sort of safety precautions or right. anything like that. They're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, you're in there with the tributes, and um, 
you know, don't die, but get him out. And you know. he was able to pay off somebody. And you'd think that that person would be so stupid as to let the president's son in. But it also shows a much more rough, less planned out and exactly. lower production value of the capital, which is so well established by the time we actually get to the powerhouse that it is in the original series. Speaking of that, just real quick, I also thought with the capital, it was really neat to see because they showed that square a lot with yes. the roundabout. It was really cool to see how things were under construction mm-hmm. in that that one sweeping shot. I think they reused the same shot like three times. They did. But things were yeah. very much under construction in that last scene where snow comes back mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Where he's walking across the... Things are slightly more built up, yeah. which I, I appreciated yeah. personally. I yeah. thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. All right. So I want to know what, at a high level, what you thought of the games this time. If you echo any of his sentiments, if there's any problems that you had with it, anything that you would change. That you yeah. Really I think they could have been a little shorter. Uh, I thought that there were a couple of times when uh, Lucy Gray's character was sort of tucked away either in a tunnel or um, behind that, whatever, you the know, vent. the vent. Yeah. And there were no cameras there. I thought both of those scenes went on a little too long. I thought, okay, we got it. She's safe or she's sort of pseudo safe kind of thing. And I felt like that those were unnecessarily um, dragging that the games out. I also thought, and, and I know it's about strategy and it's about skill. I know exactly what you're about to say, but really, I mean, I can, I can see Katniss winning, but I can't see Lucy Gray winning. <laughs> she never, almost never had she any kind of weapon of song. Okay. Okay. And that's more oh, powerful than bar? any knife. The pen is mightier than the sword. Who would win the most physically capable, largest and oldest tribute, or the power of friendship? You tell me. It's more about spoiler the spoiler alert. It was the power of friendship. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I I don't have a whole lot more to say about mm. that. I mean, I, I've seen the Hunger Games. I like the Hunger Games, but I can get tired of the Hunger Games. So I was ready to move on to Peacemaker. Yeah, I got what you're saying. Okay. So for me, um, Oddly enough, I felt like the tributes this time, even though it's a horrific thing to, you know, all put miners in an arena and then, you know, have them slaughter one another. I liked better that the tributes here were they seemed more like actual children, you know, like yeah, kids that seemed like they actually can't like they were more ragtag. It seemed, they, it seemed more unfair. They weren't as procured. Exactly. And it's just it just seemed like they were just being thrown in there to the wolves more so than anything else in the other games you know there was no showmanship all that marketing all that kind of stuff so i appreciated that aspect of it however i was just also thinking um you know so many of them were sick or so uh, like the guy who like had rabies i was like uh, well it's like four of them were like four of them were like killed before the (laughs) games even started and look i understand i can't remember exactly who was and wasn't in the book in terms of like the games and stuff like that but um I thought the games went on for an appropriate enough length. I thought the whole team up, uh, the whole team up thing, like six of them teaming up, mm-hmm. that was so dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did think that too. Every time they were sort of like band together, I thought to myself, if I was one of them, I would just take that pitchfork and just, you know, just start trying to them. just trying to start hacking people yeah, exactly. and see if I could run away. Yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying? The best part of it and what definitely got a chuckle for me was when they found out the new drones, the new drone technology was really faulty. And uh Snow was saying like, you know, go send a bunch of like go send a bunch of drones yeah. to like save uh Lucy Gray. And that happened once. And then he sent a bunch of them because she had gotten so many donations. Right. And he's and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just sending water. When, yeah. you know, she was like about to, when she was about to be surrounded. So I, I thought, I thought that was pretty clever. However, the end where 
the end where the snakes came out and it just seemed like everybody mm-hmm. was just doomed and everything. And then I should have just brought the snakes in earlier and cut, cut I, the segment. I feel yeah. like I remember in the book her that scene where she's singing to get out, like you know, to delay what's happening uh, and everything. But I felt like that went on just way too long. Yeah, and I it was just. And it's just, I feel like it would have been effective enough because I remember there was like singing of some sort in the first three movies, but it was cut down enough to where it, you got the point uh, of it. And um, I just thought that lasted a little bit too long just at the end there. And I thought those snakes looked honestly very, very They're CGI. CGI. Yeah. And you know what? what? Wait a minute. Those snakes weren't real? <laughs> Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. I just, I thought that scene lasted way too long and it's supposed to be the ultimate, you know, climax to part two. So that was interesting enough to me, um, but it wasn't wasn't a huge fan of just the entirety of the sequence. There was some good stuff to be had, but not entirely. Okay, so let's talk about the Peacekeeper segment. I know the film kind of takes a... Abrupt. It, the pace really slows down to a crawl here, but I think it's a really, really important scene because Snow actually does face consequences. And um, that's pretty important when it comes to just the overall development of his character. But um, yeah, I'll just go first on this. I liked this scene because it does stand out among the others. I like seeing him as a grunt rather than just in his allegiances being kind of at odds with one another. He's established some relationship with Lucy Gray but he's still wondering if he can be loyal to the capital and claw his way back up to the top. So he's kind of choosing between his own success and perhaps escaping with somebody he met two months prior. I thought it was far too easy for him to change from going to district two to district 10 or hey, 12. Hey, he, 12. He just like hand, to 12. What do you hand him like a hundred dollars. I was like, really? And also it's snow. That was an intentional move to send him off. Wouldn't that go back up to exactly, uh, the, my point? To, right. uh, yeah. To the, uh, one of the the guy who created the games either way he's like send me to 12 okay yeah um <laughs> well he did say please yeah oh, okay well that, uh, i thought sejanus became a much more fleshed out character here because he just kind of showed up as a guy who was moody in the first act and all of a sudden so much with him and i'm like where's effie trinket when we need her i was like this guy again i know i know um but it was interesting to see that play out and just sort of see the blue collar side of being a peacekeeper in district 12. However, I will say Sejanus's um, execution scene is so much better in the book because you truly don't know who he really is as a character, or how substantial he is in the movie, even though, you know, he's the son of the president of the Capitol. He still doesn't feel that way. And he always just seems like a confused character, Never which to an extent, in- which to an extent he is, but the execution scene of him mm-hmm. was just kind of there and then snow who was presumably I don't like i think i remember it a great fr- well he got hanged and then oh yeah yeah, yeah and then the jabber jays all started oh, like screaming and stuff yeah. like that well in the book he's screaming like the whole point is the irony of it all he had a good heart he came from um he came from the districts but at the end of the day he was just a rich kid trying to play hero, mm-hmm. trying to play um, in the book. Yeah, trying to yeah, trying to get that in the trying book. to play rebel, and he just comes off as bumbling and stupid in the movie, which to an extent he was. But you kind of see more of that tragic struggle, and he's yelling out for his mother, who is also a much more substantial character in the book. She's so not and, even in the movie, barely. Yeah, and then he makes a passing reference to her. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but 
it, it kind of just goes like that. And then you're just like, okay, that gets rid of that character who I didn't really know that much about. It's so much different when you actually read the the novel itself. So I think that's really lost in the movie. And that comes off as a little bit confusing and a bit of a jarring tonal shift. Um, one thing I also had a little bit of trouble with was at that point, it seems like Lucy Gray had known Snow enough and been thankful but also didn't know he was going to come back, but also seems not surprised that he came back. And then they established this tiny little relationship where they have this scene where it seems like they're together, like for good. She's resting her head on his shoulder in the yeah, lake. They spend yeah. a beautiful day together. He Swimming gets something for her. her friends and it seems like, or whatever it is. and it seems like they inherently trust one another. Right. And then that just kind of goes all out the window. And I think once again, the book does such a better job of not having such a tonal shift because in this movie, it kind of presents snow as the good guy, the sympathetic character. And then the third act, the thing I don't like about it is that they, it seems like the filmmakers say, Oh wait, snow's the bad guy. We kind of have to like start this up. We kind of have to make the audience yeah. think this again. Mm -hmm. And ultimately his turn of character is not justified because it's vague. And it's also, in my opinion, he doesn't come off as the bad guy here. He comes off as a guy who just did what he needed to to survive. He doesn't come off as a guy who is inherently evil. That only happens when he murders the guy who created the Hunger Games, in my opinion. And that is another really jarring tonal shift because at the end of the day, the people he killed it in the majority of the movie, he just did because he had to. It's not like he was really murdering them. In this it's so weird because you feel like he built up this relationship with Lucy Gray and then he kind of has second thoughts and then he really wants to go with her. And then she makes such an obvious statement of, I don't trust you kind of at the very end. Like I'm going to go fish or whatever. And then he's like, it's raining outside. What did he think she was going to do? It was so ridiculous. It was really, it's it, like, it was insulting. It's like, didn't you all just spend a golden day at the lake together beforehand? And I think that was just so rushed at the end. Uh -huh. And when he's in the forest, it's so overdramatic uh, when he's just, like, and I guess screaming. The, the and the snake was inconsequential. Right. And he's just like, you trying to kill me? Is this poisonous? And it's just like, uh, you, so. Apparently not. Turns out to not be. Unlike yeah. the snake who took out his partner who wrote the who claimed writing the the plan yeah yep. right but the third act i, I mean, thought was just a snake of the forest too i did like the third act in this because it has references to the katniss like flower and it has references to um the song that i think the i hanging think tree yeah, yeah 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 the hanging tree and it's crazy to think about okay if snow heard this when katniss like became like a tribute and everything what must he have been thinking mm -hmm. after all those years ago with lucy gray that's of course that justifies why he hates katniss so much and i think that's such a great brilliant well, setup because it makes you realize so much yes he's kind of an evil guy but he did have his reasons for being evil and i think you get part of that with this movie but it's just in the book it's so much more justified he's a three-dimensional character instead of just bad guy or good guy automatically turned bad guy and i personally think this movie doesn't paint him as the villain that he was he just seemed like a guy who was trying to survive and then he just intentionally murders the head game maker afterwards so i did like a lot of aspects of it but i thought some of it was just marred by it, it's weird because it, the movie felt too long but it was also too short to cover yeah. everything as effectively as it could have. you know what's so interesting about this conversation is that it makes me want to go back and watch the movie Noah having I don't want to re read the book because I can't read a book after I've seen the movie but I think all, it's different enough to do 
do it. Seriously. Really? I, I think five years from now. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, but I do think your analysis of it, because of having read the book, is adding a layer of something that we did not get out yeah. of having just seen the film. So I appreciate that. Right. But with that said, I think it does speak to the way the film was made that you two can enjoy it a really good amount, even without all that background context. So I did very much like three sections, three parts. Yeah. I'm that guy, right? It's easy to keep track of. It's easier to keep track. It it's also a, helps me know the movie is making progress. It was like, <laughs> made, made, <laughs> yeah. like in Five Nights at Freddy's. Did you guys notice that there were five nights in the movie? So after after each night, I was like, okay, we're getting close. Didn't Oppenheimer kind of do that too? We we got to like bit. the third part, and I was like, oh, okay, this is the third act of the legal section. Yeah. But regardless, um, oh, completely, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was, maybe it did, but anyway, there was definitely segmentation. Yeah, you, okay. So your thoughts or whatever you agree with, disagree with, what you did and didn't like about the third act, what you have, because it was your least favorite. Yeah, I will say for the sake of time, I think that I completely agree with most of the issues that noah had with it i would say my biggest issue with it is it felt equally long and equally rushed and there were a lot of just like little plot holes um which probably are better contextualized by the book mm. um i don't know like i'm just gonna say this my biggest thing is they're saying they're sneaking away right they say they're sneaking away he wakes up at the crack of dawn sneaks out goes to meet her and then the whole thing happens where she leaves him and then he just shows back up at the train. Yeah. yeah was he not thought that like, too. how long, how long was he gone? Was he off that day? Was what, what uh, stuff like that? Well, I was confused too, because she said first light. If that was first light, he was late. That was like 1030 in the morning. Uh, I know. <laughs> I was like, uh, she's probably been yeah. standing behind that tree for a long exactly. time. You got to sleep in yeah. for me. I just thought uh, I actually felt him as though he was a bit of a victim in the third segment that's what uh, i'm saying it was a guy very he, did, last he needed scene. to to survive yeah. instead of being the guy who screwed somebody over or just was a villainous person yeah and the whole thing where she just left and said i'm gonna go out and he said it's still raining and she said something and and he he just was like oh okay and so she goes out and she's gone forever and uh i thought i don't know i just think he's smarter than that so i really do think it's all a function of um time and editing and that sort of thing so i think we have exhausted the hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes very thorough for sure yes uh which i believe zz talkers will appreciate yeah definitely and yeah. you know occasionally we'll do a bit of a longer analysis right. but we're actually not hurting for time right now so yeah. amazingly well so noah and luke on a scale of one to five z's what are you giving 2023's The Hunger Games, colon, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. As opposed to 1994's that, that's Hunger correct. Games, colon, Ballad of Songbirds well, you know, When people are listening to this in 2032, they're going to want to be reminded when that is this, true. Got, this that Hunger is true. Games film came out. That's true. Um, all right. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to give the ballads of the ballad of songbirds and snakes three Z's. I think. In retrospect, I liked it better than I did walking out of the theater. However, I do think it definitely has its problems that are greatly exaggerated by some of the things that only a book can accomplish. That said, talking to you two, the fact that you can enjoy it as much as you did, as much as you did without reading the novel, does say a lot. And I think that at the end of the day, I was just 
I was just happy to be back in this world. And it is a justified story. And Very for that reason so. alone, it's an I interesting, fascinating, entertaining world. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Lou? Well, being the guest, I like to read between the lines. And I'm going to give this a bit of an unconventional rating of 3.25 Zs. There's one in every podcast space, right? There is. I thought you liked this movie better than that's uh score honestly well i don't know three feels low three and a half feels a little too high just for how many plot holes and things like that and again the rush versus the length sure um so i feel like two three and a half is too much three is too little so i think 3.25 is a happy medium for me and i'm sorry for ruining your guys's more conventional well i'm just gonna say i completely agree with you luke and i really struggled over this one of my favorite things in the last year has been i asked noah one time at what point while you're watching a film do you decide what how many z's it's going to get and he says i don't think about it until you ask me on the podcast (laughs) for me i'm halfway into a film and i'm like this is an x number of z's film um i'm gonna go ahead and give it three and a half z's Uh, three seems a little low Three and a half seems a little high, but I'm not that guy. I'm going with three and a half Z's. Um, I enjoyed this. Always I'm, the optimist. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's me. You know me. Um, but I, I, so Noah, you're giving it three. I'm giving it three. Luke, you're giving it three and a quarter, and I'm giving it three and a half. Yes. Wow. Okay. There we have it. Yeah, there you have it, folks. Consistency uh, rating. So I think what we're saying is that we do recommend you see this film. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if, you, well, maybe if you've read the book, you'll be frustrated by it. But it's plenty long, but I've seen a lot of films that felt a lot longer and weren't as long. So there you have it. Cool. Um, I don't have a check it out for this week. That's okay. I think we have um, exhausted TT (laughs) TT talkers, (laughs) ZZ talkers enough at this point. So yeah, for um, reference, we've recorded like four podcasts in a row here. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. And Luke has been a special guest on all four of them. No, three of the four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you'll be back for the holidays. I will be back. Good. Good. We're going to have lots of, we might even record the, we should do the Star Wars, the original trilogy while Luke's with us. Okay. I mean, I have things to say if you're up for it right now or about those films. About those films. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Later. Okay. Sounds, we'll watch them together. Sounds good. Okay. So coming up, we have Miracle on 34th Street, the original from 1954 or something like that. Might have been even earlier. Um, And I watched it yesterday. What else do we have coming up? Um, uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Did we do Jingle All the Way? We can. Let's do Jingle All the Way. Delighted to. All right. We're doing those three for the holidays, for December. Yeah. And then we have uh, Pop-Tarts coming up. And we have, um, what's the other one we did yesterday? <laughs> Has Pop-Tarts not, not aired already? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind us, folks. This is real time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we better close this out before uh, we lose any listeners. Sounds good. Well, with that in mind, we do appreciate you sticking with us for another week. And we appreciate Luke guesting on a number of podcasts this week, this holiday week. Absolutely. Yes. Like always, we're having a ton of fun. It's great to see a bunch of movies and uh, just, you know, be able to see not only holiday films, non-holiday, but also maybe a little bit of uh, horror vibes as well, which uh, you uh, probably heard from uh, recent episodes. But Regardless of it all, uh, it's been super fun doing this podcast this year. We're coming up on three years very, very soon. And I would like to do a, maybe a little bonus episode where we share our statistics for this year. Bonus episode. Yeah. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. But until next week, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. I'm Luke. And this 
is ZZ Talk.